everybody. Welcome back to the official podcast of the BPPA talking about answering the call. This is podcast number two. My name is Jamie Keneally. I'm the legislative director for the BPPA and joined as always by our president, El Presidente, Larry Calderon. Larry, how are you? Good, Jamie. Thanks for having me back on. Ready to go. I, I kind of have to have you back on, Larry, because it's just you and me on the show. But I appreciate you saying thank you. A <laughs> uh, lot to get to. We had a pretty robust discussion the last time. Uh, some great feedback, I know, from the members I spoke to. Uh, but the big issues, Larry, I mean, the contract, obviously, uh, department, uh, our offices continue to work without a contract. Um, and and uh, a lot of violence in the city over the weekend. And we've got officers working doubles and triples. So suffice to say, a lot to get to. But let's let's kick it off with the contract talk. And if you could, um, you know, where are we as of right now? Well, we had another meeting with the city a week ago. That's our third meeting with Mayor Wu's team. Uh, seems to be going well. Uh, we have three more dates, uh, actually a week from this Thursday, and then every Thursday following for the month of July, we'll be meeting with the city and their team. So it seems to be working well. It seems to be full steam ahead from the mayor's point of view. She is openly saying she would like to have a settled contract by the fall. Uh, that would be great if we can t- come to terms together on things that the city would like to change in the contract. And, of course, on our side of the table, we want to make sure that we're getting value for those changes. So let me just ask you, I mean, you, you talk about the appetite and it seems like they they want to get something done. You just said three dates over the next three weeks. Is that correct? Three dates over the next four right. weeks. Nothing, nothing this week, but next Thursday, the following, and the, and the Thursday after that. Okay. I mean, so how? I mean, how should members interpret that? It's that seems like, yeah, they are they are up to get something done. Would you agree with that assessment? I would. I don't want to give false hopes to the men and women that listen to the podcast, but uh, the leadership team, as you know, has been making rounds again out through the city, speaking to officers individually and at roll call, and. We are of the opinion from the bargaining team and the leadership team of the union that the city seems to be practicing what they preach. They're giving us dates. They're not stalling. Um, It's not like the previous two or three contracts that I've been involved in over my time in the union with the city. Uh, We're at stall tactics where we have a date in June and then they cancel it and can't reschedule again until the end of August because of summer vacations, etc. To be frank, the department tried that. The department lawyer tried to tell us they had no meetings available for July and August. Uh, City attorney interrupted and gave us five dates. So we feel positive about moving forward and having real discussions on real topics Uh, As you know, and I think some of the membership knows, we had 14 items on the table from our side that we presented to the city. Uh, This last meeting, the city asked us to sharpen that to our five most important topics and come back to the table with that. And we have done so. So uh, we have no reason to believe otherwise that the city is looking to move forward, but the proof will be in the pudding. But I think a positive sign of the fact that, again, you get three dates in the next four weeks. I mean, at least in the surface, it looks like they want to get something done, which would be awesome. You you said you're out and about talking to members, and I want to get to the top five issues in a second, but what's the biggest concern that you're hearing from uh, the hardworking men men and women of the BPPA? 
I, I can't narrow it down to one of the biggest concerns because uh, I'm I'm hearing uh, probably the top three is the best way for me to address it. Give me top three. Yeah, top three, wages and earnings. Um, inflation rate around the country is, we can argue this, but somewhere around eight to nine percent inflation rate out there. Wow. Uh, Members are having a hard time buying homes, staying in the city, uh, affording milk and bread and a roof over their head. So it's wages, it's earnings. Uh, it's also time off. Uh, our members are being worked to the bone. They're, they're working doubles and then now be, some being worked, excuse me, some being forced to work triples. Uh, in some cases, I just heard recently that the department um, hierarchy, that being the captains in the district, in some instances have not been ordering members to work the overnight shift. They're running shifts short. And that is a major concern that we need to address and talk about. Well, a, a lot to unpack there. And if I could, you, you said triples. And I want our audience to fully understand what we mean when we say triples. So officers working triples means three consecutive eight-hour shifts, officers working 24 hours straight. That seems ridiculous. It, it is. It's unsafe. It's unhealthy. Uh, anywhere you look in the modern world, uh, let's look at doctors. Where There's been story after story over the past couple of years about physicians working more than 24 hours straight. How unhealthy and how unsafe it is. Well, if it's unsafe for medical professionals, I'm pretty sure that the men and women carrying firearms and protecting the citizens of Boston should be treated the same. No one should work 24 hours straight. And why, I mean, I guess it dovetails back to what we've been saying all along, right? We're down 400 police officers. We're having difficulties uh, filling jobs and filling spots. And the fact of the matter is the shifts that need to be worked, you have to have a, you know, minimum staffing levels and layers at, at district stations throughout the city. But I mean, I, I guess it just speaks to that. Is, is it, we don't, we just simply don't have enough bodies. No, Jamie, we don't have enough bodies. That That is the issue in the city. Um, time and time again, uh, my members are probably tired of hearing me say this all over the radio, and I think on the last podcast we covered it too, but we should have a minimum of 2,000 uniformed men and women answering calls for service in the department. And we're woefully understaffed. The last number is a little over 1,600 and change is where we are. You have a mayor, which I'm sure we're going to get into the budget and the city council and the mayor. But the mayor, uh, she was very good to shut down the city council who wanted to, again, play this game of defunding the police department. She was good fighting that back. But at the same time, she postponed the class for two months. And I know it's only two months, but we don't have two months to spare to wait to put more police officers in the academy and thus on the street. So is there a sense of urgency or a lack thereof by the mayor of the city to to address the issue? I mean, it, you're right. We do sound a little bit like a broken record, but the fact remains, you, I mean, I just think officers working a triple. If, if that doesn't say at all, I don't know what does. And I guess the question being, uh, does the administration realize that this this is a huge issue? Well, it's a bigger problem than just that. Uh, just this past weekend's Fourth of July weekend, and in our tenure, and I think every police officer on the street, regardless if they were just hired or they've been around thirty-five years, you know the major holidays that you're going to be forced to work at least a double: New Year's Eve, the Caribbean Festival, the Boston Marathon and 4th of July weekend. Traditionally, those are the weekends when all hands are on deck. You know that you're gonna be ordered to work. You're probably working a double. But City Hall is just out of control. 
The Transportation Department is issuing permit after permit for everything from a block party to a major event. Uh, just this weekend that we have coming up, the Red Sox are in town against the Yankees. That's 25 to 30 offices at Fenway Park. There's concerts down on the waterfront. That's another 15 to 25 people. And I'm not making these numbers up. I'm getting these numbers directly from the department. And then, in the infinite wisdom of someone at City Hall, uh, they're having what they call open street Saturdays throughout the city. And this weekend, they're going to shut down Center Street in Jamaica Plain from approximately somewhere in Jackson Square all the way out to the Monument. And they're going to shut You're down kidding. every single- Jackson Square to the Monument? Correct. And the, the requirement there is 85 officers. So just quick math, we need 125, 135 police officers on overtime to fill those spots on top of answering calls for service. We just don't have the manpower to put on the street. Yet, we have a council who's claiming that we need to be defunded. Uh, we have a mayor who did stick up for us this time, but really needs to come to terms with the people that are in charge of her districts, issuing permits, requiring police officers for public safety. Because the next thing I'm sure we're going to have a discussion about is how we don't need police officers on the street when, well, we, already, when we shut down the discussion. Yeah, right? and it's it's ludicrous. Uh, look, if somebody stabbed a shot and they're going to be transported by ambulance, how are they going to get across Center Street if it is closed down, if it's barricaded off? And I don't want to tell a loved one or anyone in the city of Boston that's fighting for their life that they have to go around the block for an extra seven-minute ride because they want to shut the street down and not put police officers out there. Police officers are paid and hired for public safety, and that's what is needed on job. the street. That's, that's our job. job. And right. I love the fact that if you're shutting down streets, it, it, who's to stop the car that decides to jump onto the parade road? Who's going to stop the car that decides to drive through the droves and, and hundreds of thousands of people who are attending that particular event? Who's well, going to do that? Well, God forbid we have something happen in the city like you see happening uh, around the country and around the world where festivities are just that. You, you have Chicago, an SUV July 4th, yeah, that, that you know, plows dead. into a, a parade route and sends multiple people to the hospital and the morgue. We just can't afford to have that type of incident here in the city of Boston. Yeah, it's just, it's just funny. You know, we, we don't need cops. But, oh, yeah, we do need cops. Um, fact of the matter is, of course, you need police officers. Every successful city in America is a safe city, and we do it better than anybody else. Well, it's entertaining to hear city councilors, certain city councilors. Well, I, I want to get want, into that in yeah, a go second, ahead. but before go ahead. we do, so you touched right. on wages. Obviously, it's a huge issue, and I think it's worth mentioning again, like, you're working without a contract, which means your your our officers, our members' um, salaries are stagnant. Once you get outside the contract, you're getting paid less than than what you should, less than market value. Um, and again, just for folks at home, how long have we been without the contract for? We've been without a contract for two years now. Okay. Wages is a big deal. Time off. What are some of the other bigger issues um, that you and the bargaining team are attempting to address at the bargaining table? Well, our top five issues that are put together by the five members of the bargaining team are, um, well, what, what happened, Jamie, and frankly, for everybody who's listening, uh, the bargaining team was asked to, as you know, to, to sharpen it to our top five out of 14 wants. Uh, each member was asked to pick what was most important to mm -hmm. them. Uh, I picked wages and uh, a career incentive award that's equivalent to the fire department. What they receive is better known as the TCAP, but I'm looking at wages from my side. Uh, the vice president is looking at sharpening the residency requirement. Right now it's 10 years. We're asking to go down to five. Um, frankly, I think it would be good if we could gain any ground 
on the residency level because the, the prices of real estate and homes in the city is, is outrageous. I don't know how anyone uh, is purchasing a home in the city of Boston right now. You look you look at the amount of building they have down on the waterfront or down on Ink Block off of Shamad Ave and they're million dollar condos. Um, police officers, yeah, we, we earn a fair living wage. We're, we're doing better than than others that are working for the city of Boston, but we can't buy a $2 million condo on Shawmut Ave. So what is everybody else doing? Um, it, the price of real estate is just outrageous. Well, and, they, to, and, to, and to force city employees to live in the city, Jamie, and, and buy a house, you're basically forcing us to rent an apartment. It's impossible. Yeah. You've priced yeah. police officers out of the city of Boston. And on one hand, you say they have to live in the city for a decade. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And every other employee. I, I, I know I don't represent every other employee that works for the city of Boston, but you're requiring all employees to live in the city. We can't afford to do yeah. so. Unless you live at home with mom and dad who bought a house in the city, you know, 60, 70 years ago. Correct. Um, okay, so wages, time off, residency, um, scheduling. Yeah, so to go with the time off, on one of, one of the other offices on the bargaining team is looking at um, a split shift known as a four and four, working four days on and four days off. Uh, the city is not interested in entertaining that idea right now. But again, each member of the bargaining team uh, has that right as they're elected to do to bring something to the table. So we're going to respect each member's wishes and bring it forward until it's changed by the House of Reps. If, if, it, if it does happen, uh, it's important for the members to, that are listening to this podcast to understand that negotiations are fluid. They're ever-changing. Uh, and just because we put five things up as the most important today does not mean that they will remain the most important next time we get to the table. Which brings me to the last thing that was put forward by the remaining bargaining member, uh, our SWAT team. Uh, some members live outside the city. And as you know, emergency response by SWAT is a definite need. Uh, so that member put up uh, take home vehicles for members of the SWAT unit as his most important piece. It has been a, a, a large topic of conversation around the city because it affects a, a minimal amount of numbers. And frankly, it's incumbent upon the department to give those officers those vehicles. Those officers need those vehicles. They should have they, done that a long time ago. Yeah, it should have been done a long time ago. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing loud and clear from rank and file in the districts that, that this does not affect the majority of the organization. Therefore, it shouldn't be something that's bargained. But that member on the bargaining team has that right to put it forward. Um, if that's overturned, we will change it. Uh, if it comes to a further conversation, uh, what you're going to hear directly from me is just this. The department has the ability to give cars now to their SWAT members, right. just like they do command staff members that are not responding to emergency right. calls. So, you know, let's not... Um, it's not a kid a kidder. Let's not kid a kidder. Yeah. I was trying to think I, of the non-profanity. Thank I you. But let's not kid a kidder. Yep. SWAT team members deserve a take-home car. They deserve to get back to the city in an emergency yep. situation. They should respond it as quickly as they possibly can because responding quickly saves lives. And that's what the SWAT team yep. does. But the department- and they do a wonderful job. The they department do, should be work. issuing yeah. those members yeah. cars. It should not be coming out of the bottom line at a collective bargaining table. Period. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And it's funny, you, you just said, you know, you've heard from members loud and clear. And there's a reason you're hearing from members loud and clear. Because you've made it a point and a priority to share and to be as transparent as transparent can be as it relates to contract negotiations. So I would imagine that's a that's a positive byproduct of the fact that, hey, there's no hidden, hidden yeah, let, let's anything. Make, let's make it loud and clear again. We're, we're, we're here on tape. We're putting this broadcast out. 
in, in my tenure in the department of almost 30 years and over 20 in the union, this is the first time that a leadership of this union does not have secret bargaining. Right. There is no such thing as secret bargaining in the BPPA. We are not going to engage in it. Whatever we discuss with the city, our members are going to know. Whatever we put forward on the table, our members are going to know. And if push comes to shove, when we if we end up in arbitration, our members are going to know what's on the table yep. and what's being discussed because ultimately it affects them. There's no hidden agenda here. But the anger is a good thing because they know what we're attempting to negotiate. And Correct. the best part is, and I know you've said this a bunch of times, and if you don't like something, reach out and make your voice known. And like you said, I know as the negotiations go on, you got to whittle down that 15 to five. The five aren't set in stone, and there's ample opportunity for folks to reach out and say, hey, I don't like this, or I want to see more of something else. Exactly. Every member should have my personal cell phone number. If not, a member of the leadership team, a member of the bargaining team, reach out and be heard. We, we left District 4 this morning, and we had a great conversation with a couple of officers after roll call to better explain their position and their want when it comes to compensatory time off. Offices need time off. They're working doubles and triples around the clock. They have two weekends off in the summer, and they're not getting them. They're not spending quality time with their family. They want time off. They deserve time they're off. They're angry. Period. They should be working a triple, I think, says it all. And, and, and if the listener at home can't relate to that, forcing an officer to work a triple, you got to. I, I don't know how, how else to, to explain it. Um, city council attempting to defund the police again. Thoughts on that? My favorite word, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh, again, this is grandstanding by certain city councilors. We have city councilors that stood strong. They were against it. They voted against it. But there's a group of them out there that like to grandstand. This idea that they were going to cut $10 million from the overtime budget of the police department to fund summer jobs. It's disgraceful. It's a joke. Well, yeah. It was proven in the, in the hearing that there are thousands of summer jobs that aren't even full currently. I mean, look, police officers, we want summer jobs for youth as well. We want summer jobs for our kids, for the kids around the city of Boston. But don't lie to the general public and pretend that you're going to cut $10 million from the police budget and create more jobs because you need them. There are plenty of jobs out there. And the cutting of the $10 million... Look no further than what just happened this weekend. We had over 10 people shot in a 12-hour period. We're hearing nothing about it. What we're hearing is, what did the police department do? What did the brick unit do? Well, you know, it's pretty hard to keep the brick unit functioning if you want to cut tens of millions of dollars every time you turn around. Brick. Yeah. So it's nonsense. It's grandstanding. Well, it is not truthful. I, I mean, defund the police is a bad idea. Trying to defund the police in the throes of summer where historically crime trends upward. And again, we just saw that 10 shootings in seven hours over the July 4th weekend. I mean, obviously officers doing their best to work hard and, and keep our city safe. But, you know, you, you talked about the fact that the council did push back. It was certain members who pushed back on the attempt to cut, cut the police budget. And I, I just want to say, you know, kudos to Councils Bach, Baker, Flynn, uh, Flaherty and Murphy for saying enough is enough. Agreed. Agreed. Worth, yeah, 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 you know, worth mentioning. Yeah, it, it's always worth mentioning. We always want to mention the city councilors that have the courage to stand up in light of what appears to be the majority right now of the council that are, that are placating this, this false narrative of police corruption and the need to defund. What they should be doing is fully funding the police department. We are short money. We are short officers. And if they, uh, this goes right back to what I was getting angry about earlier in the conversation. If City Hall is going to issue a permit for every single event in the city, every weekend in the city, we must, by law, 
provide public safety. So we are going to put police officers out there. Mayor Wu hit the nail on the head when she sent it back, not allowing it to happen, that by law, we must provide public safety and we're going to do so. So stop saying you're going to defund us. Stop saying that we're overpaid. Hire more police officers and knock off the nonsense. And respect and value and support the officers you have because this isn't this isn't Minnesota. This isn't other parts of the country where the departments have had issues. This is Boston. Enough of the nonsense. You mentioned Minnesota. Minnesota is trying to hire back police officers that they either let go or quit because of the nonsense that was going on uh, with police reform and defunding. You need your police officers. You cannot have a lawless society. So stop the charade. Stop lying to the general public. Fund the police department and hire more officers. Enough already. So down 400 officers, let me ask you, is help on the way? There's another class going in at the end of the year. Uh, Mayor Wu did send back um, her budget and cut what the council was trying to do. But in the same process, she postponed the class for a couple of months. So there is another class going in. And, and I'll applaud the mayor for doing that, just like I did with Mayor Walsh when he was here. But the fact remains that through attrition, Jamie, we're just losing too many bodies. We're, we're losing 80 to 110 police officers a year, and, and we're hiring 100 police officers. We're not gaining ground. So the overtime budget is only going to continue to grow. Our officers are going to continue to be overworked, tired, and injured. Um, so until we start hiring double classes back-to-back, constantly we're never going to be able to catch up and those who are leaving what are they saying why are they leaving they're leaving because they're overworked they are underappreciated and they're just tired of getting uh, hit over the head with nonsense claims from elected officials this crap that police officers are to blame for what's going on in every blight in society is wrong they should be thanking the men and women that were out there that worked every single day through COVID, that being their police department. They should be thanking the men and women in the police department that are working 16, 24 hours a day, every weekend in the year, especially right now in the summer. 80, and, 90 hours a week. And again, just this past weekend, July 4th weekend, 10 people shot in a 12-hour period in the city of Boston, and we're not hearing anything about it from our elected officials? Well, hey, you, you know hey, why, you know, though, right? I mean, you just you just mentioned about blaming police. I got to ask you about uh, this group, the Patriot Front, and in blaming police officers. I mean, I think we all know about the white supremacist group that marched to the city of Boston. Uh, I believe Reverend Eugene Rivers called them a bunch of, of nitwits who who likely live in their parents' basement. But there has been criticism of the police response. Is that criticism valid? No, and. Yes, we, we should talk about this. And I'm not going to get into white supremacy, Antifa, BLM. I, I, look, I'm not here to make political statements and get involved in that. What I'm here to say is the men and women of the Boston Police Department treat every group the same, regardless of their political beliefs or affiliations. We protect the general public, period. And what Commission along was subjected to the other day in front of police headquarters is shameful. I don't know who the, the gentleman was that was accusing the commissioner of being a liar. Uh, I have no idea what his background is, what so-called pitches he had. But it's disgraceful to have a member of the media chastising and calling the commissioner of the city of Boston Police Department a liar. Um, he should be embarrassed and ashamed of himself. The men and women that are in uniform that are out there 
protecting the citizens of Boston every day and our visitors do the job like professionals. They treat everyone the same, regardless of what protests, what standout, what parade is happening. And if there's a crime, if someone's assaulted, our men and women are going to make that arrest. And if they didn't see it, they're not going to break the law and just arrest people because certain elected officials think we should do so. What we need is some truth telling. The commissioner stood up there, defended the men and women for doing their job, defending the police department, and he is correct. Yep. Commissioner Long, a good man. You know, I, I believe that quote unquote media member was not a media member. And he was asking about an issue or an incident that occurred in Malden. Uh, regardless, the guy was completely out of line. You're right, Jamie, but it's more than that. Yeah, Commissioner Long is a great guy in the way he was treated. Again, despicable. But it's more than that. What I heard from our elected officials beating up our men and women is uncalled for. What they should be doing is thanking the men and women for the job they do well every day. Let's not forget, because the men and women of the Boston Police Department, we're not going to forget. Let's not forget May 31st. Let's not forget the protest of our men and women being beaten being chastised, having rocks thrown at them, having uh, urine thrown at them, bottles thrown at them, being physically assaulted by another protest. And again, I'm not going to get into one side or the other, who was here and who wasn't. But the fact remains, whether it is an all-out disgrace of a burning down of the city of Boston, like in May, or whether it was this despicable act this past weekend by another organization, our men and women act like professionals day in and day out. They do the job that they're paid to do and they treat people equally and professionally. How about some respect coming from our elected officials? How about some people just say thank you instead of trying to point the blame across the street at the individuals that are actually protecting everyone day and night? Could not agree more. And if we're going to talk about police response, you also need to put some time aside to talk about how our officers are treated. An important part of the conversation as well. Couldn't agree with you more, Larry. All right, time now for the Ask Larry segment of our podcast. This, of course, is the segment where we ask you, our audience members, uh, to ask Larry anything about law enforcement. Uh, as always, you can send questions to answering the call at bppa.org. Again, answering the call at bppa.org. This week's question, Larry, is about detail officers. And our, our audience member writes in and says, geez, it looks like they're not doing much. They're drinking coffee, standing around, um, not really making a difference or impacting their surroundings. To the person who says, you know, details, detail officers are a waste of time or money. What would you say, sir? Because I know I've got strong feelings, but please. Well, it, I, I, I breathe heavy because, yes, we continue to get these types of uh, calls, emails, questions throughout our career. But look, for, for those people that are, are unaware of what we do on a paid police detail for a private vendor, we are there for public safety. We are there for crew safety. We are there to make sure that, first off, Pedestrians crossing the street do not get struck by vehicles. Do not fall in the hole that's being dug. Um, make sure that they don't get run over by one of the trucks backing in or pulling out. Uh, public safety at its finest. Furthermore, we're there to make sure that the company is adhering to all traffic laws. We're there to make sure they have their fire extinguisher, that they're taking the appropriate safety precautions that are on their permit. We're there to make sure that they're not operating on the wrong side of the road. I mean, 
listen, for our listeners, how many of you have been sitting in traffic or driving down the road only to turn the corner or see a, um, a big dump truck coming at you carrying a pipe, carrying a pallet of bricks on the wrong side of the road? They don't belong there. That's why police officers are at traffic safety details. They're there to make sure that the pedestrian in traffic is safe, and they're there to make sure that the company is adhering to the rules of the road. And if it's necessary to have a company on the opposite side of the road to carry a large piece of machinery or equipment, then that's what the police officer is there to do. He's there to direct traffic. He is the lawful representative of the Commonwealth and of the city of Boston to pull cars over, to make them stop to make sure that no one gets hurt with that piece of equipment on the wrong side of the road. So uh, a, a police officer on a traffic detail is doing many things. And look, I'm also going to tell you, sure, pictures speak a thousand words. You drive by a police officer, maybe they're having a cup of coffee. You drive by a police officer, maybe they're looking in the hole. Maybe they're talking to the guys in the hole. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not here to tell you that it doesn't happen, that you don't see that, that we're always doing traffic. I, I'm not trying to pretend something that's not, but the reason that we're there is vital to the safety of the general public and the company and the workers that are there, period. Oh, by the way, an added layer of public safety protection at zero cost to taxpayers. Uh, well, we can, I think we get into we, that we in the last... I think we get into that thoroughly. That, that We're there to respond for can't anything that happens. You're in full uniform. I think we, we answered yeah, that in the last segment. If you don't think detail officers make our city safer, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Um, and, and and look, we have all these emails coming in after one podcast asking us about details. So clearly they listened to the first podcast. They know that we responded. They? And well, they know we responded and you, we foil bank robberies. They know we saved kids' lives. So, soon, buddy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, Larry, once again, bang up job. I appreciate the time. Uh, and to our members, as always, you know, keep keep working hard, stay safe. And we obviously appreciate the work that they do. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of Answering the Call. Again, if you have a question that you'd like us to answer on the podcast, again, send it to answeringthecall at bppa.org. Again, answeringthecall at bppa.org. For more information about the BPA, uh, please go to bppa.org. And don't forget to follow us on our many social media outlets, Twitter in particular. Uh, again, that's the show. I'm Jamie Keneally. He's Larry Calderon. Stay safe, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Jamie. Be safe, everyone. <laughs>